Welcome to Canine Nation. It's Sunday, March 31st, 2019. This is episode 130. Hello, I hope you've had a great week. Welcome to the podcast. This is Eric Brad. This week's podcast is a follow-on to episode 129 and continues to talk about the myths about positive reinforcement and mark and reward training. It focuses on the myths and misconceptions I've heard over the past 18 years, specifically about clicker training and mark and reward training. It's always been interesting to me to watch people try to argue against using food in training. Eating is one of the most natural things that our dogs do, so to me it makes perfect sense that rewarding my dogs with food for the behaviors I want just makes common sense. But for some reason, there are lots of trainers out there who think that using food in training is cheating. For whatever their reasons, they come up with all kinds of arguments for why their training is superior, specifically because they don't reward their dogs with food. I thought it might be interesting to cover off some of the most common myths that I hear even to this day about mark and reward and clicker training. So I put some thoughts down in an essay that covers these myths and some of the reasons why I think trainers are so committed to discrediting modern training methods. I hope you'll enjoy listening to this essay, Myths About Mark and Reward Training. Clicker training isn't new. Karen Pryor introduced the concept of training dogs with clickers in the early 1990s along with Gary Wilkes. It's an incredibly effective application of mark and reward training, training that marks the correct behavior with a sound or visual signal and then rewards the dog for performing that behavior. Although mark and reward training has been around for more than 30 years, and the science that supports it has been around for more than twice that long, there are lots of myths and half-truths still circulating over the internet and in dog training circles about positive reinforcement, mark and reward training, and clickers. No doubt some of the information comes from ignorance or passing on half-understood or misunderstood information. But there also seems to be a deliberate effort on the part of some trainers to marginalize modern training methods. They are called a fad or a passing fancy. These trainers want to dismiss modern training methods as new age politically correct nonsense when it is in fact practical training science with a proven track record. For all of its detractors, positive reinforcement and mark and reward training has been remarkably effective in training not just dogs, but species such as sea lions, beluga whales, horses, and even zoo animals such as exotic birds and rhinos. The evidence is clear and abundant. Animals learn more quickly, retain behaviors longer, and experience less stress and discomfort with modern approaches like mark and reward training. With all of the evidence in its favor, you would think mark and reward training would be an obvious choice, but myths and misinformation about it continue to keep people from trying it. 
Some say it's just too complicated for the average dog owner, but there are videos on YouTube showing that it's so simple that children can do it. Others say that it can harm your dog, but mark and reward training has shown that it's remarkably harmless even if it's not done well. There is virtually no downside if you happen to make some mistakes other than perhaps giving your dog some extra food or momentarily confusing them. So, I've pulled together a few of the most common myths that I've heard about mark and reward training and some explanations as to why I think these myths are false. Myth number one, training with food will make your dog beg from you at the dinner table. Well, feeding my dog from the dinner table will make my dog beg from me at the table. Similarly, feeding my dog from the couch will make my dog beg for me while I'm eating on the couch. Now, using that logic, feeding my dog after he does a specific behavior, like sitting, will make him do that behavior more often in order to try and get the food that I give him. And isn't that the essence of training? Trying to get our dogs to do a behavior that we want more often? Mark and reward training is about getting the dog to understand that he only gets his food reward after he offers the behavior that you ask for. That's how he earns his marker and the reward that comes with it. Myth number two. Clickers and mark and reward training are just gimmicks. They're just fads that someone dreamed up. Let's look at that a little more closely. The first clicker was used by behavioral scientist Keller Breland in his animal training research more than 60 years ago. His animal training company, Animal Behavior Enterprises, went on to become one of the most successful animal training companies ever. It operated from 1955 to the mid-1980s. The principles of mark and reward training have been used in marine mammal training at animal parks and even in government projects since the 1960s. So, far from being a fad, mark and reward training has been a critical part of animal management and animal husbandry programs for domestic animals and wildlife for decades. Karen Pryor's 1984 book, Don't Shoot the Dog, brought mark and reward training into more public prominence. The work of Karen Pryor and many other training professionals has helped mark and reward training grow in scope and popularity. Today, clickers are available at nearly every pet store, and there are hundreds of books on how to use mark and reward training with dogs, cats, birds, horses, and even with people. And trainers are using these tools to teach their animals to do some amazing things. Myth number three. If you use mark and reward training, your dog won't work without the marker or the food present. Every mark and reward training book that I've ever come across contains clear and detailed instructions for working without using the marker signal or the food rewards once the animal has learned the behavior. It's part of the standard training method. Anyone who tells you that either the marker or the food must be present or the animal won't perform simply doesn't understand the basics of this kind of training. A marker signal is most useful when my dog is learning a new behavior. It provides a clear and precise signal for which behavior is earning the reward. When my dog is learning a new behavior, 
The food rewards provide a very strong incentive to continue playing the guessing game with the trainer and learn the new behavior. Once the behavior becomes well known, the need for the precision of the marker and the motivation of the food reward diminishes rapidly. Myth number four. Mark and reward training is unhealthy because food treats will make your dog fat and he will become a food hound. Well, here's an interesting fact. All dogs eat, usually every day. Eating is not unhealthy, it's essential for survival. Mark and reward training books recommend using food in training because we know our dogs need to eat. Those same books are careful to advise trainers to cut back on regular meals in order to accommodate the extra feeding that happens during training time. It's best to use quality food cut into very small portions, often just about pellet size, so that the dog can do enough training without consuming a lot of extra food. A mark and reward trained dog should eat no more in a day than he would if he were not training. And since mark and reward training teaches the dog that it's necessary to perform some behavior before the marker and then the treat will happen, it's more likely that the dog will want to do more training rather than just begging for food. So those are some of the most common myths that I've encountered. Now, if you've seen an animal perform in a TV commercial, in a music video, or a movie, the chances are they were trained using mark and reward training. And the reason for this is simple. Mark and reward training works quickly, creates very reliable behaviors, and the animal remains happy and very motivated to work with the trainer. While mark and reward trainers are not as numerous as more traditional trainers, the numbers are growing rapidly. It seems that all of this success that I'm talking about is getting even the more skeptical trainers out there to take another look at mark and reward training. My friend and trainer, Catherine Martucci, trained two of the dogs in a music video by the band OK Go. The song is called White Knuckles, and the video is still available for you to view on YouTube. You can see the video if you just search for White Knuckles OK Go. Catherine tells me that all of the dogs in that video were clicker trained, and that most of the behaviors they performed were taught to the dogs on the set only two weeks before the shoot actually happened. And here's an interesting fact. OK Go is a band that is famous for doing videos in one take without any editing. So if you watch this video, I want you to notice that it's one continuous shot from start to finish. Nothing was cut together to make it look that good. Everyone works hard for the money they earn, dog trainers included. Is it any surprise that some trainers might feel threatened by a new technology like mark and reward training and would want to discredit it? It takes time and effort to understand something new. It takes even more time and effort to learn how to do it well. It can be difficult to know what to believe about various dog training methods, but I've always found that it's best to check out the sources of the information that I'm getting. Does the trainer actually use the training that they're talking about? Or can they demonstrate it? Not everyone who discourages a training method actually knows how to do it properly. I've found that the best way to check out what a trainer has to say is to watch them working with dogs. What do their methods look like? 
How effective are they? How motivated are the dogs in working with them? Do the dogs look happy or do they look stressed? And, perhaps most importantly, do you like what their results actually look like? Going to dog training classes to observe is a great way to understand how a trainer works. Watching videos of a trainer on YouTube or other websites can also be helpful. When listening to what a dog trainer has to say about working with dogs, I try to make sure that what they are telling me makes sense to me. Given the information that I've learned from other sources, do the things they say still make sense? If what I'm being told doesn't line up with what behaviorists and training professionals have to say, then even a trainer who says, I've worked with hundreds of dogs, is just spreading more myths and misinformation. That trainer may have indeed worked with hundreds of dogs, but it doesn't mean that he or she has anything to offer me and my dog. That old saying comes back to me again and again. All dog training works eventually. But I want to choose training methods that are simple, effective, and enjoyable for both me and my dogs. If you're looking for reliable training methods that produce great results, check out multiple sources of information to get a clear picture of how you want to train. Talk to trainers, read books, search the internet, talk to breeders. Most importantly, listen to your dog. Is he enjoying the training? Is he learning? Is there a better way to teach the behaviors that you want from your dog? You might be surprised at what mark and reward training has to offer. We all love our dogs, and I think it's important to separate the facts from the myths about different dog training approaches. It can be a lot to sort through, but in the end, I think our dogs are worth it. Don't you? If you enjoy these podcasts, why not drop by our website at caninenation.ca and you'll find dozens more to listen to. While you're at it, perhaps click on the donate button and offer us a dollar or five or whatever you'd like to give to help support the podcast and help us keep the lights on. Or you can support the podcast by spreading the word on social media or leaving us a review on iTunes. I'd love to hear feedback from you about the podcast. If you have any comments, stories, or questions, you can email me at talk2 at caninenation.ca. That's talk and the number 2 at caninenation.ca. I look forward to your comments. Canine Nation is also on Facebook. You can find our Canine Nation page where we post information about the latest articles, podcasts, and news about Canine Nation events. We also have a discussion group the Canine Nation Forum. It's a place to discuss the podcast, the Canine Nation essays, life with dogs, and training our dogs, or just to share some information we found around the internet. Thank you for listening. I'd appreciate it if you'd share this with the dog people in your life. I guess that's all for now. Until next time, have fun with your dogs.